Hello, and welcome to the 14 Questions Podcast. Or, as, uh, you know, Teddy's going to start to say, welcome back. Teddy's the dog, by the way. But no, welcome to Teddy's the dog. Some, some of our yeah. repeat listeners would be well aware of Teddy, and uh, if it's your first time, you're like, why the hell are they talking about their dog? 20 seconds in. Well, because he's welcoming, he's welcoming you back. <laughs> 20 seconds into the, you know, what we <laughs> joked, right? It's the 14 takes. Because apparently it takes us, you know, at least a couple of tries to, you know, roll that introduction. What we are experiencing here is a breakdown in communication today at the 14 questions. No, well, yeah, we had it, it, no, not no. technical difficulties, is, but host difficulties. We could can a thing up and it would be the identical thing every week. Or we could actually give, you know, listeners like the, the feel for the live stumbly bumbly that, you know, Getting the dog in the studio and a couple of beers and setting up is, you know, apt to do. So here we are. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. I'm good to go. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah, we're we're on point. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. And that's a good thing, too, because we're getting into some heavy, heavy subject matter on this episode of the 14 Questions. Uh, you know, one of the big things we're going to talk about is uh, is uh, CRT. Yes, and mechanical. And, and digital. You know, for our and analog. And digital. Yeah, that's cathode, cathode ray tubes for anybody. We're yeah. not we're not diving down the uh, the other CRT rabbit hole, at least not just yet. Uh, over here at the fourteen yeah. questions, but knowing us, we'll 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 reach a point. I would say enough is enough. We got we got to comment publicly on this thing. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to, but only because the country is sort of batshit crazy right now. For anybody that listens, we have a bunch of them that listen from outside the country. Just understand that we understand a thing over here. But um, this is actually kind of interesting subject matter. But we have to go in the way back machine, I think, to really understand the trajectory of, you know, what, what are we going to talk like television broadcast, like the, the whole like invention and evolution of this thing. To understand where we are. Well, like so many things. Be, be, <laughs> if you understand well, it, the it, past, it, it informs your view of the present, right? Correct. And, and and before I get too ahead of myself here, um, your weekend was good, right? Because you know my weekend was, and that sort of brought this whole <laughs> subject up. <laughs> yeah, like, whoops. Yeah, mine 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 consisted of of work and school, and that was about the best. There you go. And the worst of it, not necessarily in that order. Yeah. So, um, folks that haven't noticed, there's a housing boom going on. So, you know, there's they build a new house, and um, I guess people that buy and sell new houses, or you know, it's a new address. They're not always good at their address. So it turns out, I think it was what Saturday night I was talking to you. Like, hmm, yeah, my internet worked, and so. None of my internet worked. And so, I, you know, I phoned the, the provider and uh, they said, yeah, your, your, your stuff's being canceled for a reinstall Monday. And, and you're, yeah. you're, you're set aback by this. What the hell are you talking about? Right. And I, they said, well, do you live in, you know, you've been like a bunch of units or something. I said, no, I'm in a house. And then we surmised after nearly two hours on the phone that perhaps now that we've now ascertained that it's, you know, you flip a couple of numbers, house across the street assigned my, they assigned my equipment to the house across the street. So it, it just turned into this debacle. Yeah, they, they had a the, moment of dyslexia, mind. but it's KO yeah, now. And, and, 
Yeah, well, sort of, right? But the thing that I talked to you about, it was amazing. So I'm talking to, you know, we're, we're kind of smart over here on the 14 questions, at least we like to think we are when it comes to tech. So I actually get the 24-7 tech people on the phone, and they're going to reprovision a thing. Like, yeah, this is physical equipment. This is the MAC address. This is a serial address. This is the physical address of the location it's been at for years. Um, and they couldn't get past. Billing had put a block on it. Because of the questionable address. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah, you would think that that they would have a little more, like, challenges in place to um, just completely deactivate a thing. Well, I joke with the guy because I said, "What, what is your middle or upper management, like, worried that you guys are, like, friend sharing and, like, you know, spoofing equipment to get, like, free streaming? And he went, huh, huh, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, well, if if they have the wherewithal not to let the 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 super folks that can touch a thing over the interwebs not fix a thing, and then had the and then had the audacity to tweet back at me, Brandon. I'm, I got a Twitter back from a from an AI <laughs> response from yeah. a fucking okay, folks. It, it was an AI response. Okay, it's artificial intelligence notices that I hashtagged a thing, and it's like. I'm sorry, uh, we will have this problem solved 24-7. Just give me a call. And I'm like, hello, AI bot machine on Twitter. <laughs> like, I'm fucking talking to your people. Yeah, for, for two hours and, at this point, and they can't help. Uh, yeah, and they can't. We had escalated the whole thing. I mean, it's nice. I mean, we got it fixed. And then it was funny because the wife said to me, she goes, well, you know, there were like three vans across the street Monday morning. And the woman was all frustrated and screaming. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like this thing, this stuff has a tendency to cascade. Anyhow, I digress. Yeah. Yeah. It's but thing. yeah, so it gets you thinking about, you know, streaming and, you know, sort of the whole evolution of this, of this crazy, crazy world we yeah, live yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. You it take, so take a man's internet away and he's forced to start using his head. <laughs> Well, well, and you and I talked about this. So, you know, I can get over the LTE cell data, put a thing on the phone device, right? But I can't sling it, can't sling it to the TV within that, within that construct of that environment, simply because, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm slinging a thing here that somebody doesn't have a subscription to, and they can't verify a token on a device that is God knows wherever hooked up to the internet. Right. That's sort of what we, we surmised. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think the yeah. issue you were having, which would have been solved had you just tethered your television to your phone's internet connection. So it could re reach out and physically yeah, yeah. and ver- verify the, uh, the authentication of a, of a video file because that's, you know, we, we, without getting too, too far off track. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then it got into the whole, okay, so like, and, and folks don't tweet at us. Like, it wasn't like I didn't actually download it to the device. I could have just simply hooked up my laptop to the TV and watched a thing. But because these devices are all over the place, it, yeah, I get it. They got to protect their their thing because of piracy. But then we got thinking. Then I got thinking. I was like, what, how did this all start? Like, when do we, when do we start doing this stuff? And it turns out mechanical televisions, which... You know, I, I jokingly said it's this thing looked like a kaleidoscope, you know, invented in early 1800s. No, 18, 18s in early 1900s, sorry. Yeah. 
And so can, can you do it justice? Can you describe how this thing works? Cause it's, a, it's, I can't, I, I could read part of this article, but it was, I couldn't wrap. I mean, I jokingly say kaleidoscope because it has two things that spin. It's mechanical. Um, you know, it's yeah, fascinating. It's, Somebody sat around. It, it, I'm like, I'm like how do you, thing. how do you, how do you describe this? Because I mean, it essentially is just a, a spinning disc with a series of holes equally spaced in a spiral ish pattern around it that would spin in front of an aperture or an opening, a square shaped opening and basically draw the lines of resolution based on the spinning staggering holes. And then a light source would either be on or off as each hole passed the screen to create literally your horizontal lines of resolution on the television. Um, it's really it's a fascinatingly simple way to produce uh, images, really. I, I strongly encourage yeah, so, anybody to just hop on YouTube and look it up and you, you'll go, oh, that makes sense. It makes sense. It's kind of creepy to look at. So it was, it was a Scottish in, inventor, John Logie Baird, I think, and an American inventor, Charles Francis Jenkins, that both were attributed, I think, reading the article that I'm reading, which is B businessed.com um, back in the 1920s had invented this mechanical thing. And then it was a Russian inventor and who had, who had conceptualized the thing back in 1907. But the fact that somebody was th sitting around and like figuring out how to spin things to make, cause it's not animation, right? No, and it's no. not that it's not, it's not the CRT that we would know of a recent past because CRT is actually not that old of a technology when you get right down to it. No. Um, no. But then the fact that, that, you know, these things were actually invented. And then the, the part that was mind blowing to me, Brandon, is that they, so CRT comes along, which is the cathode, what, um, cathode ray tube. Yeah. Race there, yeah. Ray too. I always <laughs> want to say cathode ray technology, but, um, and only cause I get, con, you know, conflexed on the CRT cause you know, you Google CRT these days and you know, you're not going to actually get to information Well, you will, if you go far enough, but anyhow, um, but then the, the CRT is in the same, I'm got to look at the reference here and see what years. And it was bizarre cause this article attributes this to this like 21 year old kid that conceptualized and came up with this. Hmm. He's a, who, ahead of his time and who, ahead of his age for the most part too there. Well, they said he didn't even have electricity in his house until he was 14. So this guy's a fucking genius, right? Like, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not like he, these three year olds. He just got it, iPhones, right? right? He, he, yeah. He just it clicked and he understood. So in in this is and I mean can you you can you can probably sum up CRT better than I can like how that works so cathode ray yeah I mean phosphorus tubey thing right you're shooting light at a thing yeah I mean <laughs> yeah sure I'm, I'm trying to Quick, think do a thing yeah. the, the best way to explain cathode ray not that not that this is really in my wheelhouse but in, like you have a vacuum tube with you know, electrons inside of it that are excited and directed at a screen right. on the other end of the tube uh, with basically a, what do I say, increase in amplitude, making it brighter and a decrease in amplitude, making it dimmer. 
uh, for each line across the television to produce, you know, moving pictures, as it were, or images yeah, so again, that are displayed lines, right? rapidly to create the illusion of moving pictures yeah. if we want to get right into it. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, well, so it's an opposing cathode ray, you know, you got some magnets involved, steering coils or whatnot, phosphorus thing that captures chunk, 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 chunk on a screen, and then it's reversed and you, you see a thing that appears to move. Well, it does move. Yeah. I mean, you, you think it does, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess we'll go to break here soon, but I, I guess I'm, I'll do this. This is bizarre to me. You know, so the first television stations, right, which I guess these just started like radio stations, I imagine, right? 1920s, 1930s, the first mechanical TV station, so that's the thing that's somehow broadcasting these moving parts TVs, still in existence, by the way, call sign W3XK, was cre created by um, Charles Francis Jenkins who was also one of the inventors of the mechanical television. So, yeah. and their first broadcast was on July 2, 1928. It's wild. Think about it. it. Hasn't been that many years to screw a thing up. So, anyhow, we took a break and yeah, well, get back to where we think we might, we are, we might not be going. Who knows? Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Had to take a short break. It's always the same length, right, Brandon? <laughs> uh, give or give or take. And give or take. It's not so take. precise. It, it can fluctuate by eh, a few milliseconds here and there because I just manually put everything together instead of using a template. Yeah, and then, and then sometimes we have to like take a little longer to like, okay, let's tighten the thing up. Let's get our shit together. So here we are. TVs, my friend. TVs. So th this kills me. So wh wh where we left off on the um, what the first the first actual TV station or the oldest television station in the United States, by the way, Charles yeah. Jenkins. Which looking at a wiki wiki reference here, it reference it down to Columbus, Ohio. Somehow has an association with this. So I'm not even go there because I got. I got nothing in North Carolina that can, you know, go into our mild rivalry. <laughs> the, the Wright brothers, like, what? what's mm -hmm. had more impact on our culture, television or airplanes? Hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. But yeah, this stuff's crazy. So, so that was nine. That was July second, nineteen twenty-eight. That this TV station did a thing. They had. They had. They broadcast to four people. Four people. That's that's impressive. <laughs> the only yeah, ones like, that owned televisions. No, there were there were a lot lot more televisions out there, but basically like four. I think there were like four hundred televisions out there. Something like four thousand. I don't know, but like four people. It's kind of like starting a podcast, <laughs> right? 
put it out there. Put it out there and see who uh, turns the thing on. Yeah. And then uh, I'm trying to think. So this is kind of an interesting fun facts, right? The first remote controller, right, was right around, what, I just lost that reference. I think it was around 1938, but it didn't do anything. It was called the Telezoom. So it just zoomed. <laughs> didn't turn the TV on or off. Like make make it that, bigger. That wasn't until make later. It smaller. Yeah, yeah. It did no. I mean, and it and, you know, volume was a thing. You know, no one no one really fucked with the volume, but they just wanted their TV. They want to be able to change the channels. But I guess when you only had one channel, there wasn't a lot of um, needing to change the ta- channel. I guess. Yeah, you mm-hmm. just make it bigger, Makes make sense. it smaller. It looks a little different. Yay, yay. Yeah, we've so that come was a long way since so that, then. Yeah, the, the Telezoom was released in 1948. And then the first, at least under this article, the first true remote, remote control was produced by Zenith and released in 1955. That one did actually turn the thing on or off and change the channels. And it was also completely wireless. Ooh, fancy pants. 1955. Good old Zenith television. Are they still around? I wonder. And surely they're, they're not. But I remember Zenith? growing up, yeah, mm-hmm. having Zenith televisions. Maybe they are. Oh, know. they were the thing. Yeah, they were the thing. I mean, after we get through the mechanical and the CRT fight, um, you know, Zenith, and then and then you know, the televisions get you know, the big problem was like people didn't have them, so then the stations are broadcasting, and then there's this, you know, it didn't really, really. The same with the. We were discussing this, so we can't go into the whole color versus black and white because I think that's a whole other podcast because then you get into, you know, the FCC and, you know, what was I saying earlier? So the FCC, just to give everybody a top line note on this, you know, despite the major flaws that CBS had in their color television, that was their national standard was adopted. And there was this big fight because RCA had better technology that they wanted to develop and deploy. And, you know, that's a whole podcast onto itself. And then. Yeah, you could run down some rabbit holes on that. And we probably should because it gets into, you know, they ran into problems because people had black and white TVs. They'd finally bought these things and they don't have color TVs, but we're doing a thing in color. What are the standards? And then it runs into the same thing. 3D TV, which. I don't know anyone that's owned a 3D TV. Do you? Yeah, I know tons of people that have owned them, myself included. Why does this not fucking surprise me? So, but did you get any content? Like, what what was the, right? Because they're like, you got the technology, but is there content? Are they pushing it? I guess, that, sorry, that's the way. that. So people were buying color TVs, but like people weren't pushing color out yet. Sorry, I got that backwards. That yeah. makes sense? Sure. Yeah. 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 Like one station in color and the rest are in black and white. I mean, how many 3D fucking channels are there? Channels? I don't know. But I mean, you know, with the advent of Blu-ray and everything, there was a, there was a time period where it seemed like every film was filmed in 3D uh, to mm. go along. And then the video gaming content, you know, there was a significant oh, amount yeah, of 3D yeah, yeah. as well. I feel like 3D's kind of dropped off as as the fad that it generally is. You know, well, now, I mean, and now we're just like more thing. resolution, more resolution, more resolution. And go other than there. fully immersed, other than fully immersed Oculus in another land of, 
you know, content. Yeah, I feel like that's, that's different, though, right? That's, like, that's immersion that's, in, in three-dimensional virtual environments is not the same as watching a screen with things that appear to hop off the screen into space. You know, it's slightly, slightly different. I don't know. There's an industry that might, you know, agree that both those things are growing um, industries. But anyway, you know, we'll we'll touch on that sometime, but... Anyhow, so for folks, 1949, by the way, you know, this is the whole thing on this free speech shit that's going on right now. Like, you know, Elon Musk is coming back and we're going to put people back on Twitter who are banned based on the fucking TOS because they violated shit. You know, no, they're not, folks. Okay. They invented, you know, back in 1949, the FCC, right, which is the, the Federal Communications Commission, which tells people what they can and cannot say and cannot do. When fucking broadcasting shit. Yeah, on broadcast. Regulated. Broadcast specifically, on, though. <laughs> correct. Well, I mean, we could get into that whole nuance thing. I just had to throw it out there because the whole idea that you're standing in a public park when you're on Twitter or Facebook or Face Spaces or on television, for that matter, is not how it works. You know? <laughs> no, well, under, understanding the nuance rails. of the law and its application, well, is just yeah. too much to ask of... People when they're acting with their emotions only. Mm-hmm. This this coming from primarily the fuck your feelings crowd, but <laughs> I'm not going to get yeah. into it. Yeah, we won't go there tonight. We're just going to, you know, I can't help it. But anyhow, this is fascinating to me. Maybe they need to dust this little gem off. Okay, 1949. And I know all sorts of people have opinions about this. Fairness doctrine. Okay, which was basically this construct that if you're going to broadcast something, you have to broadcast both sides or all the sides of an issue. You know, if you're covering something controversial, I'm paraphrasing here. And then you also had to give like equal airtime to candidates that were running in elections. You know, 1949, that was a start. It makes sense. You know, it makes sense. Dust it off, bring it back, you know. Rewrite it a little bit, but throwing it out like baby with the bathwater, stupid. Because I think they basically like gave up on this thing because, you know, they figured out a, you know, ways around it. Anyhow. Well, pri- primarily a, a good portion of our <coughs> consumption is no longer broadcast. So there's there's that. You'd have to. Well, there's, have, yeah, tear, the tear, whole it no regulation. The, yeah. tear it down to the foundation yeah. and build it back up. Yeah. And then, you know, does the FCC even have any oversight to do so at that point in time? I would argue probably not. Probably not. But the, but the, but the, ta- the terms of service on the platform and then they're, I mean, we, we've covered this and that gets pretty in-depth. Yeah. So I mean, you d- you're not responsible for what people say on your thing that's not broadcasting, but you sort of have to have some rules to give me air cover on that. But yeah, we won't, we won't go into that. We've gone into that. We'll go into that again, I'm sure. Yeah, but I, was, I don't I was think these are issues that are going to disappear anytime soon, unfortunately. Correct. So this was not lost on me, right? So 19, do, 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 first TV station, 1928, right? So basically July 1, 1941, I believe was the first commercial that ever aired because everything was commercial free for like 13 years. Yeah. So I was like, how are these people doing this? Like, are they just pushing this stuff out like for free, like sitting around their house, like, like, you know, little podcasters. 
But then I was like, oh, no, 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 1951. I Love Lucy, which was a program, you know, that was a huge ranked sitcom program. People should know that, if not for no other reason than historic reasons, was sponsored by Philip Morris. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see what's going on here. Yeah, somebody, so they, somebody was, was developing being, this money. technology with a vision of what it could become as a revenue generating stream. And oh my, yeah. has it become a, a, an unrestrained monster in that aspect? Yeah. And then what do we do? They banned product placement and then product placement came back and then... I, there's a whole other, again, this is, we're going to, we're going to touch on broadcasting and, you know, whatever this realm is, we need a new term for all of this stuff, whether or not that's social media or, or movies or television, we need another term for what this, what this monstrous stuff has become over the years, but they kind of got it right for a number of years, I think. Yeah. You know? So then they get into cable. So that's like 1958 cable systems, right? So you don't, no more, no more dog ears and antennas. Yeah, just pipe it directly into your home for a fee. Yeah, for, right? for, so for, for a fee. Yeah, let's let's not skip fee. over that that important detail. And then, um, boom, 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 FCC regulates again in the 70s. They impl implement the financial interest syndication rules that pro prohibit three major networks from owning and controlling basically everything or rebroadcast of private shows. So now, we, now we're starting to get into like the real meat of the matter. So it didn't take long, you know, yeah. late 40s to 70s. And then this, was, this one was kind of a fascinating one. I didn't realize this. 1979 was when ESPN became its own total network devoted just to sports. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed that. I mean, I know ESPN is a power player and they, they carved out this niche within this, you know, a la carte menu that we were promised of things. But, but I also know that part of the, those cable subscriptions throughout the years through the last, you know, probably couple of decades, the majority of your bill went to ESPN Huh. Because they did, they weren't a la carte, right? That was my sort of understanding, right? Yeah, and all the revenue were, models yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. So, what what's driving people to your to your provider to the service provider? You know, it's same well, same we have with that that entertainment channel we shall not name these days. That's included in yeah, all the of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's sad, right? I mean, I understand ESPN because it's ESPN is like you know for the most part it's real because. They're broadcasting sports and it's live. So you're a part of a thing that's real. So I can kind of, and then, but the fact that the tabloid thingy faux thing that comes on every night is basically fully supported by your cable bill versus actually having to sell advertisement is kind of sad, but you know, they, they followed yeah. a model. Good for them. Yeah. It is a thing. Yeah. 1992, infomercials explode with growth. That was the growth year. $750 million. And they doubled that by 1988. Who would have thought? That's a substantial amount of money. It's kind of bizarre. Let's not show commercials on, on these programs anymore. We'll just do a channel that's infomercials. Yeah. <laughs> it's, bizarre. It's nothing but 
long commercials 24/7. So this is this is where we start we start to tip, okay? So think about this, folks. We go from one television set, right? To two or more television sets. And that becomes like literally 64% of the country in 1993 took us to 1993. <laughs> where we wanted more than one television set in the house. That's a big to do though. Cause you know, that's dad, a huge dad thing, can right? watch a thing and the kids can watch something else at that point in time. And everybody was kind of <laughs> happy other than the three siblings fighting over what to watch for themselves. That was nine. You know. That was not, that was 93 Brandon. All right. We're 2022 now. How many fucking devices are running in a house at any point in time? Right? I mean, <laughs> like, I'll be watching TV. My, my wife will be playing whatever that crossword thing is on her device, and we'll have a you know friend over that'll be googling a thing. And I mean, it's just batshit crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, there's like twenty devices at any point in time in a house anymore. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Juggling marshmallows only to eat one. That's what I'm going to, that's how I'm going to sum that one up. And then 1996, the digital satellite dish, the 18 inch dishes, not the old country desk, like the one that they could fit on your house or the side of your apartment unit. Yeah. And it was the best in 1996, it outsold. Okay. It was the best selling electronic item in history next to the VCR. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. It, it had to do with porn. I'm just going to. I'll throw that out there. <laughs> it, it always right. goes back to that, doesn't it? It always goes. It always does, folks. And we're not joking. Like, it's a thing. And then the DVD was introduced in 2000, which kind of blows my mind, 22 years ago. Um, then the DVDs, it took it four years to outsell VHS. Right? And then 2005, my friend, flat screen TVs were a thing. HD TVs were introduced for the first time. 2005. Yeah, no, I, I remember I actually owned, I think it was, might have been the last. Of course last, you did. I think it might have been the last um, cathode ray tube HD television before they went to like LED, LCD. And, and, and that oh, thing no was kidding. a monster. Yeah, I think it was a 30-inch screen. It weighed about 200 plus pounds, but it had a hell of a picture yeah. compared to <laughs> what had come before it. That's crazy. And then blue, you, you and I were talking about this during the break, right? The blue, I never got into the Blu-ray stuff. I knew a few people that had Blu-rays, the format, because that was a rage, right? In 2006, but then it, it, they, they kind of here and then gone, right? Like a one hit wonder, right? No, Blu-rays still around to this day. So I, holding a whopping 27 gigabytes? Initially... They got better. <laughs> they, they, got, they got better. But yeah, it, primarily, so then, I, I don't think we think of them in terms of like Blu-ray players um, because so many people adopted, you know, PlayStation, Xbox, et cetera, which is in fact a Blu-ray disc drive. And so they would use that for content consumption. And then, you know, now we live in a world oh, of gotcha. streaming where, you know, personal media libraries don't, generally exist on individual physical media. You know, if, if we have a library of our own at all, it's all on a hard drive somewhere and we just stream it back to ourselves on our local host. 
So do, do you want to take a, I mean, now that we've sort of arrived down this history and we're at, we're at 2010, 3D televisions start hitting the market, right? Spurred on by popular, this was interesting, like you were talking about blockbusters like Avatar and then also gaming. But do, do we want to take even a, even a, a guess? I mean, 2010 to now, with what's gone on in the world of streaming and, you know, whether or not that's Apple, Disney Channel, Netflix, uh, Hulu. I'm trying to, they, they, you just, there's like all promising a la carte, all promising the next best thing, cut the cord. Because the majority of people have cut cable or in some way, shape or form, right? Yeah, um, I, I don't know if it's a majority, but it's a, a significant amount. I, I don't have the statistics one way or the other. Well, when they say cut cable, that means they don't, you're, you don't, you don't have a, I think when I look at the statistics that say that like the majority, so 80% of cut cable, they mean the, in the sense that you would, you would pay for cable, the thing that was invented back in the seventies to come to your house. Now it's like, okay, you pay for streaming or you pay for an internet service provider, even though that's over a piece of cable half the time. Um, but the business model is different. So that's giving yeah. you your internet. Are you choosing to use your ISP to deliver you your TV content or are you using one of the, you know, however many different providers there are out there on a smart TV, right? It's sort of bizarre. And it, 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 it seems to change monthly. I mean, like, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah, like this channel is now available. This channel isn't. This channel is available for, you know, parts of March Madness, and then this they sold two segments over to this channel. It's, it's sort of yeah, it's, it's bizarre. You know, as, as more and more competition enters into into the marketplace, you know, people are spending entities are spending more and more um, for exclusivity, right? And so you you I've seen specific content, you know, go from Netflix to Amazon only or vice versa, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and now, you know, I think we're seeing with, you know, things like Peacock and Disney Plus and Apple TV and Netflix, more and more of these streaming providers are, are producing their own content as a way to drive subscriptions and retain their customer base, which I think is really interesting because they're coming, they're becoming, you know, more media and production companies and not just service providers uh, to remain relevant. No, and, then, and it's not lost. It's not lost to me. And I mean, we, we told the listeners on the, of the podcast, we're going to, at some point in time, we're going to sit down and do a deep dive into AOL. Um, it's just going to require some pretty deep dive for folks, like, because uh, we've started researching this stuff, but the other company that's really interesting that was in their own right, I think, um, a market leader that almost tanked is Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they pivoted and changed their, their model and strategy <laughs> very quickly. I mean, it almost lost the company, right? I mean, you look at the CEO and some of the research again, I think we need to do a full, you know, deep dive into this. They almost lost the company. Um, but at the same time they shifted to streaming I think they were literally, I, I can't think of another company that was like, we're going to also do our own content, which talk about a heavy lift. Like you're going to go up to the, the, the mega systems of Hollywood and all the content producers for television and movies and all this kind of stuff. You're going to do your own fucking content. 
and yeah, like no, it's an, convince it's a, stockholders that because these are not inexpensive endeavors. But now, no, to your point, at all. some of the content that is coming through, you know, shit like you know, if you're a Prime member and some of the Prime stuff they're doing, or who like all of these people are getting into the content, which is mind boggling. I never would have guessed four, five, six years ago that. I, I, I would have guessed that companies would try this. I wouldn't guess that it would be successful. Like they're they're winning awards. Like you know, they're they're going toe to toe with like it's that's again that's why I'm saying I I can't make a prediction where we're going to end up with this. Yeah, no, it'll it's be interesting to see. Yeah. So, as I, 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 yeah. part of me just sees it all coming back together under one big blanket provider, just like you know, yeah, Time I mean, Warner, yeah. <laughs> Dish Network, you know, and um. Because it's becoming more and more and more and more and more fragmented to the point where, you know, we all wanted to get rid of that 80 to $150 cable bill. And now when you add up your $15 here and your $15 there and your $15, you're like, I'm paying the same amount of money just to have access to this content. So it's, it's kind of ironic well, that we've driven that, ourselves to that that point. But here we are, right? M- minus, I, will, I, I totally agree with you, but the part I will throw in there is the part that I think is not lost on me actually when I reflect on this is when you look at the value proposition of this, if you, you look at certain dancing partners getting together, so somebody has great streaming and they, they're stable and they, they provide certain channels and then you have another streamer, but they do a ton of content. So now you put those two things together is that, you know, whatever you pay per month, you're not going to Blockbuster. You're not renting movies. You're not buying, you know, onesies and twosies. It's like the some of these things are like we're going to provide you at a slightly higher price, but we're going to give you like all these free movies or whatever else. How good is the content? Again, I think it's going to come down to content, the dancing partners, and and basically also who gets along with who because there's been some pretty big swing and moves in these markets where – two are about to merge and then they get mad at each other and, you know, back away. But I do agree with you that we're going to see some mass consolidation. Yeah. Um, I think it's almost inevitable at at this point in time where, you know, if it's not merger, it's going to be acquisition. Um, Right. You know, it's just the nature, nature, nature of, of, of a, you know, marketplace kind of doing its thing. and I'll throw one more piece into this, Brandon. The, the part that's not lost on me is the data collection. Oh, yeah. You know, habits and, and, and cat, habits and consumption and then how that gets packaged to advertisers or the looky-loos that are coming through your feeds when you're on your, on your device idle not watching a thing. Um, so I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of value in, in partnerships and behind-the-scenes deals that don't necessarily, you know, rely on direct advertising to my eyeballs, but if they can qualify us as a customer and they can mine our data at the same time and and do some other things, I think that this, this whole environment to me is just absolutely bizarre. And it, again, I mean, we're talking what, 19, late 1920s and 1930s and not really doing a thing until you get these television sets in the forties. But yeah, um, it's fascinating. And then I guess before we jump off, the one the one little fun fact, I guess before we jump off, because you know, we're going a little long this uh this podcast. Um CRT man, 
Google it. I mean, not CRT, Google CRT televisions and hit image in like the, these big, huge war chesty pieces of furniture yeah, that still oh yeah. work are on eBay for like thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's like people buying, buying vintage record players and stuff. These yeah. massive all in one entertainment cabinets that we used to have a thing of a past. With the clicker and everything, are becoming I mean, back was, in vogue. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was like just perusing those things when I was researching this uh, this episode, and I was like, "This is some of them are actually kind of weirdly beautiful." And I'm like, "Remember, like I, I would see these things left out of the street because again, they weigh like 300 pounds." So, you know, caveat and poor, right? I mean, if you buy one of these things on eBay for 3,800 dollars because you want to impress somebody, put it in the middle of your room, you know, it's going to cost you like. 400 bucks to ship the fucking thing to your house. Yeah, if you're not lucky, flat right? screen, folks. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you're lucky. lucky right? But some of them are actually kind of beautiful. You know, there's some, you know, nostalgic value and like, oh, I remember, remember grandparents or whatever had a, had a big tube thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's wild. So yeah. Don't, don't throw out those old TVs, folks. Sell them, sell them, <laughs> sell them on eBay. There's, there's a buyer for everything. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So, anyhow, you want to, you want to leave it there. The, yeah, the, yeah, uh, I think that's a good jumping off point. All right, folks. Um, again, rate us, review us, only if you like us, and uh, if you listen this far. Hopefully, that's a that's a yes. And uh, till next time. Until next time. Questions? Need answers? Find them on the 14 Questions Podcast. Welcome to our podcast, where we, along with our frequent guests, will be answering your questions regarding a wide variety of topics, including current events, lifestyle, politics, and of course, popular culture. The 14 Questions Podcast is brought to you by Podhouse Media and Dive Pod Productions. Be sure to find us on the web at 14questions.org, on Twitter at The14Questions, look us up on Facebook at 14Questions, and of course, find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts.